Good morning, Forest Heights Baptist Church. I'd like to welcome everyone to our morning worship service. We're going to begin this morning with a video for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So that was our last video. Um, we're coming to the very end of Light of Moon season. You could still give till the end of the year, don't worry. Um, envelope's still in the back. Um, we're still going for $9,000. We've only got um, 3577 is that what you said? Uh, $3,577, and I say only got, that's still a huge amount of money. And so thank you to everyone who has given. Give your hand, give a hand. Um, but I really do encourage you to just continue to pray and, uh, about giving and just to, to give generously and, and um, radically. Uh, I can stand up here all day and tell you stories uh, of how that money is used. I can tell you about um, Daniel who is planting a church in Ottawa 
uh, about uh, Daniel and Carlos who are planting churches in Sao Leo and Novo Hamburgo, about uh, the Roy family whose three kids speak four different languages better than I speak one, uh, who are working with the Italian diaspora in uh, South Brazil, uh, about Ariana and Michael who are third culture kids, which is what we call missionary children, both of whom have dyslexia, um, but who, because of your giving, are able to be homeschooled and have um, proper education. And um, Ariana just finished her, her first semester at an American college, and Michael just uh, finished um, boot camp with the American Army and is, has now just come home to his parents. I'm so excited for both of them. Um, in case you're wondering, Ariana got A's and B's. Um, super proud of her. Uh, I can tell you about different journeymen who have spent uh, one and two years in different countries um, learning languages and investing time with these people in cultures after they've graduated from college. Um, about Kyle in, in India and, and Melanie and Jordan in South Brazil and and different hands-on students who've taken breaks from their college time to go. Uh, I can stand up here all day and tell you how this money is being used, but I won't because I'm gonna cry because it's so, so important because this, this one time of year is when we collect money and none of the rest of the time. Um, it's this one time. And I think that's incredible, just the amount of faith that these missionaries have that you as a Southern Baptist um, are going to support them um, and the faith that they have in that. So I just encourage you to to give and to give prayerfully and generously. And thank you. Dad, take it away. How could I possibly follow that? We're going to begin our praise time by standing and singing O Little Town of Bethlehem. Oh, come to us. 
will be honored by our lives being submitted to you and, and um, by being obedient to you and, and by being willing to serve you in whatever way you would have us to. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Holy Spirit, how art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, how art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace, how art service let's stand as we sing go tell it on the mountain go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere go tell it on the mountain that jesus christ is born while shepherds or silent flocks by night. Behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that held the Savior's birth. 
In a lowly stable on that Bethlehem morn, the Savior of the world was born. Finally, the one behind heaven's veil came to be earth's Emmanuel. Tenderly a mother rocks her baby boy. She is holding heaven's joy. Angels lend an ear as she begins to sing a lullaby fit for a king. You Counselor, Almighty God, you are ancient of days, precious newborn King. I am, you came this blessed way to see. Mary marvel at the mystery. Only simple faith could help them to understand. He would be the crucified lamb. And she sang to her sweet little lamb, You are wonderful, little prince of peace, tiny counselor, almighty God. You are ancient of days, precious new born king I am you are I am you Once again, from Isaiah's passage, we read, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
for God so loved the world. Candle of love. I'd like to mention that there will be no Wednesday night service this week. There'll be a Christmas Eve service at 5.30. And also, um, there will be no Sunday night service this weekend because of Christmas falling on this, this weekend. So we will have Sunday morning service, but no Sunday night service. And then I want to say uh, thank you, Haley. For the job that you're doing thank you for the uh, challenge that you put before the people before all of us and I would just like for you to say uh, for you that are here and you that are watching uh, truly pray for these that are missionaries and then go that step further and uh, put feet to your prayers and support them and support them in a big way financially because they're getting the word out where we can't and God has called them to these places and so we can thank the Lord for that we may not be able to be in person there and may never set foot before the millennial in the, in that place but we can thank God that our support goes there and our feet travel with that support and not only our prayers, but our financial support. So um, I'd like for you to, we've been doing a study on Sunday night, and I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 7. Now I know you, you're probably saying, what in the world, Christmas message? Yeah. You know, names are important to some people, aren't they? I know to other people they make them really strange and they, they don't seem that important. But uh, names are important. Uh, we wanted to give our children biblical names. And we did. Especially I can recall Ben's name. I'd be Purdy. Uh, you know, uh, Benjamin. Isaac Benjamin. And uh, you know they're, they're important. Parents uh, may have their name, uh, their child named after a relative that was dear to them. They may have um, them named after presidents. My youngest son, what are his two children, uh, presidents. You know, both of them were, uh, I think, uh, uh, assassinated. But no. Uh, but, but anyway. Uh, they, uh, they're named after uh, famous people, uh, you know, uh, movie stars. Uh, some people name them after movie stars, athletes, singers, composers, writers. We could just go on and on and on. Those names have a special significance to those parents and their child. You know, Bible names among the Israelites were important, weren't they? They didn't just uh, randomly choose a name like we do a lot of times. Uh, they were picked because of their meaning. Seth was a reminder that God appointed him instead of Abel. God challenged the name, or change, not challenged, but ch uh, changed the name of Abram to what? Abraham. Uh, in view of what? His destiny. And Israel being birthed from, uh, or coming forth from him. And so... Uh, the names of God are also very important. You know, they have a special meaning describing most of the time his character or some type of ministry of his. Uh, Elohim emphasizes his transcendence. Uh, Adonai carries the idea of Lord or Master. Yahweh identifies God as covenant God. El Shaddai is translated as God Almighty. El Elyon is translated as God Most High. And El Oyam is translated Everlasting God. Jesus 
He had numerous names also, didn't he? Given to him. He had both earthly names as well as divine names appointed to him. He is called the son of David, indicating he is a descendant of King David. He is also called Jesus, the equivalent of the Old Testament name Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. He was referred to as a man. Paul indicated in the future day when the world would be judged by a man in Acts 17. As a man, Jesus is also the mediator between God and man. And we see that in 1 Timothy 2.4. Jesus is also referenced as God, stating the superiority of Christ to angels in, in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and following. Psalm 45, 6-7. Thomas, seeing the resurrected Lord, confessed, My Lord and my God. In John 20, 28. In Titus 2, 13, Jesus is referenced as our great God and Savior. Jesus Christ is referenced in John 1, 18 as the only begotten. And he also is referencing uh, Christ as explaining the Father. In Matthew twenty-two forty-four, 44, Jesus reminds the Pharisees that David himself called the Messiah, my Lord. Talking about his deity in Matthew 22. In, uh, Paul quotes Joel 2, 32 in Romans 10, 13. Affirming Christ's equality with Yahweh of the Old Testament. And, of course, Jesus claimed to be the Son of God on a number of occasions, not using it as a meaning that he was inferior to the Father, but that he was equal with the Father. So names are important. Names were important in Daniel also. In Daniel chapter 7, the prophet Daniel has a vision. And in that vision, there is a reference to Jesus as the Son of Man. A Son of Man. This is what we'll be looking at today. But let me first remind you of the book of Daniel because that's so important to go along with this name. We saw at the very beginning of the book when we read that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, took the uh, holy articles from the temple of God when he took over uh, Jerusalem and carried them back to Babylon. And there he laid them up in the temple of his God. It was a way of declaring that Nebuchadnezzar's judgment his judgment said that his gods were superior to Israel's gods. They were more powerful because he had taken them over. God's answer to the question, though, is, Nebuchadnezzar, I'll give you a vision, and I'll let Daniel interpret for you. For in that vision, you'll see that your gods are not greater than the God, Israel's God. And so in that vision, he gave word to uh, Nebuchadnezzar that there would be the fall of Babylon to the Medes and the Persians. The Medo-Persian Empire would fall to the Greeks, and the Greek Empire would later fall to Rome. And at the end of the long history that will come from that, after that, God would be still controlling and he would usher in the eternal kingdom. 
Now, how though could an earthly kingdom take an, on these eternal characteristics? David questioned that when uh, God told him that he would establish his kingdom forever. He asked God, is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? In 2 Samuel 7, 19. David knew that human kingdoms do not endure forever. And he said, is this the way that you, you work? How could a kingdom grow to be a great mountain that would become eternal? And the answer is found in this passage from Daniel. In Daniel chapter four, uh, 7, if you'll look with me in verses 13 through 14. In my vision at night I looked and there before me, Daniel's having this vision, was one like a son of man. Very important, you need to underline that. Coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, of course, that being God the Father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion, and there it is, is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The one who is established and maintained with his kingdom, or maintained his kingdom here, is like a son of man. But this son of man is not any mere human being. Or is his kingdom any mere human kingdom? Then who is the son of man? He is God and his kingdom will be established by God. There are many titles for Jesus in the New Testament. The Lord, the Christ, meaning Messiah, the Good Shepherd, the Bridegroom, the Alpha, and the Omega, the Great I Am. But you know, he never used these titles for himself. Others used them to describe him, to speak of him. He didn't even use the word Messiah except on one occasion when he was speaking to the Samaritan woman. The only biblical title that Jesus did use and that almost exclusively was used throughout was the title Son of Man. The, the title came from Daniel. And it is used 60 times in the Synoptic Gospels. Now, what, who are, what are the Synoptic Gospels? The first three Gospels, right? John is not considered a Synoptic Gospel. Why? Because they compare one another and the, the writings and, and the pullings together of, or the pulling together of these, uh, these three books. But in the Gospel of John, it's, it's used 12 times. In the Synoptic, 60 times. One author, Sigmund Mowinkle, a Norwegian scholar, wrote a book, He That Cometh. And he said the reason Jesus used this title, Son of Man, was first of all because it was an ideal title for combining the two chief things that needed to be said about his person namely what namely that he was fully man and that he was fully God the title itself son of man referenced him primarily as a man but Jesus did not merely reference himself as a son of man as Daniel did he referenced himself as and this is very important what the Son of Man. A definite article there, meaning that the Son of Man in Daniel who came in the clouds of heaven and to whom the ancients of days gave authority, glory, sovereign power, is God the Son. 
You remember when asked by Caiaphas whether he was Christ, the Son of God? You remember Jesus' reply, Matthew 26? Yes, it is as you say, but I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man, the Son of Man, sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, the Ancient of Days, and coming on the clouds of heaven. This was a clear reference to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through and 14. The Jewish rulers understood what Jesus was claiming, that he was the divine king prophesied by Daniel. For Caiaphas cried out, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? And they condemned Jesus to death. Now the second, reader, the, uh, second reason the author gives for the Son of Man is, he says that he gives uh, the title Son of Man because uh, when identifying himself, it was less explicit and he could then infuse it with his own meaning, which was in complete opposition to what the religious leaders and people were looking for. In other words, what is he saying? He's saying they were looking for a political leader. He infused that, that name in there for a reason. So that he could let them know that that was not the identity that he was coming and using. That his way was misunderstood. So what might the meaning Jesus gave to the figure, the Son of Man, in Daniel B? Well, number one, Jesus used it to teach his existence. In other words, when did Jesus come into existence? He has always been, hasn't he? So in John 3.13, Jesus proclaims, No one has ascended into heaven but he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. I'm sure that, when the, uh, that the disciples, when they heard this, they had to understand somewhat what Jesus was teaching here. They may have been slow to understand a lot of times, but this was very clear. It was a, a reference to Daniel, wasn't it? And so uh, they would have perceived that Jesus was teaching himself to be the same figure mentioned in this vision that Daniel had. In John 6, 62, there's a similar passage. Jesus says, What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? In other words, his pre-existence. Jesus is referring to where Jesus was before he came to earth. Seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. The existence of Jesus is not determined from the date of the incarnation we at christmas time worship this time where or worship this lord this savior who who came and and who was given by uh, sent by god as a gift to us for our salvation he was born in a manger but he existed prior to that he just took upon himself the form of a human at that time and poured all of his deity veiled it in his flesh and we'll look at the passage from Philippians in just a moment that states that. Before that, we can't say that we existed. We were not. But before that, Jesus did exist. He has always existed. So this, was, this is the date that we celebrate for his birth. But that is not when Jesus started. Jesus has always been. He existed before that. He existed from eternity past. He has always been. This is his pre-existence. Second of all, not only does it teach his existence, but it teaches, he uses the term to teach his purpose for coming to earth. In Daniel 7, 13 through 
or 13, 14, it teaches us that Jesus must come, but it doesn't specifically say that he would come to suffer and die. But if you look at chapter 9 of Daniel, verse 26, there is suggestion of that in that passage. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end will come with a flood. Even to the end there will be a war. Desolations are determined. John 3.13 teaches the son of man's preexistence. And the very next verse uses the title son of man again given to reference his death on the cross. We read in John 3.14 and 15, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the uh, desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. A suffering and dying Messiah. That was a hard thing to wrap your head around. And they had a hard time with it. We look back on the scriptures, we can see from all that the scriptures tell us that that's what it was. But they were looking forward trying to figure this out. And so the, this was one of the hardest concepts that Jesus had to get across or try to get across to his followers and to others. For primarily they were looking for that political leader. They were looking for that hero type of leader who would come in and deliver them physically from their bondage. So if Jesus had described himself as the Messiah and only as the Messiah, they would have never understood the purpose of his coming, would they? They would have seen him and looked upon him as just a mere political leader. So Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man so he could teach them that he must first suffer and die for their salvation so that they could truly be made free in him. Forgiveness of their sins, cleansing, being brought into the family of God to live and rule with him forever and ever. And then third, Jesus taught, from that title, that a person must believe to have eternal life. Jesus told his hearers, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last days. Now, did he mean literally to eat his flesh and drink his blood? No. He wasn't any type of cannibal or anything along that line. What he was teaching was that it was a metaphor for faith. You must literally accept him and all of him, everything about him. His blood must be shed on Calvary's cross. He must give his life so that we could have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever what believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so to be a saved person, one must believe on Jesus and his works and what he did and his death and his resurrection. Without that, we have no eternal life. For whosoever shall call upon his name in faith, that's what he's talking about, shall be saved. For as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God. Even to those who believe on his name. And then fourth, Jesus used the phrase to teach about the final judgment. A time is coming and now has come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. 
and he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. That is referencing Daniel. Again, Daniel chapter 7, where the one like a son of man participates with the ancient of days in his judgment, and it is as a consequence of that judgment that authority, glory, and sovereign power are given to him. So, Jesus claims to be judge of all men because he is the son of man. At the incarnation, Jesus was a gentle lamb who humbled and surrendered himself to the death for our salvation. In Philippians 2, as I mentioned earlier, it says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which, is, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. But the day is coming. The day in the future that Daniel described and, and, and other scriptures speak about, where he shall return as the glorified Lord reigning and ruling. In that day he will judge all people on the basis of their relationship to him. Either willfully bowing and accepting him now or resisting only to one day bow to him in judgment. The son of man who was born of a virgin in a manger. This son of man who lived a perfect life. This son of man who died as our perfect sacrifice, bearing our sins on the cross. This son of man will return one day where every knee will bow before the rightful authority that Christ possesses. Back in Philippians 2, it continued, Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow to worship Jesus one day. The question that we must ask is, will it be willingly or reluctantly? The Son of Man has come. We're talking about His incarnation. And He completed His Father's will and plan, providing salvation for all who will receive him by faith. Jesus' purpose, him coming to this earth, was to provide that salvation for us. He didn't need it. We need it. The Son of Man is one day to return as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to rule and reign for all For a child will be born to us, incarnation. A son will be given to us. He will be the sacrifice for our sins. And the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. We will worship, and we will worship him. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace and on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. There will be no end. 
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Just like Jesus came, Jesus is coming again. God's word is true. We can count on it. So which will it be? Willingly bowing to him and worshiping him as Savior and Lord now? Or resisting him only to bow to him in judgment? One day. I'd like to close with this. Revelation chapter 5. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. That's what we do at Christmas. The Son of Man. Isn't it amazing that a book of prophecy like Daniel mentions this? Isn't it exciting? This is why people, we should look at the scripture and we should say, God, thank you for giving us your word. Divine word to let us know of this. And thank you as we receive you because of your love in sending the Savior, thank you that you also have sent us the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to this truth. May it never become dull because of indifference or sin. May we treat it as your word. And may it be exciting each and every day as we study it to know that it's your word, your plan, and it's about you. And it gives us that opportunity to worship you. May we worship him, not just at the time of Christmas, but every day of our life. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you, God, for your word. But it would be just mere words, like it is to so many, if it wasn't for your love. And thank you for your love, that you so loved us, that you gave you, us your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God, thank you. And thank you that as we have everlasting life that Jesus said that he must go away but he'll send the comforter. And that comforter is your spirit to come and live within us, to indwell us. Thank you, God. And thank you that the scripture, one of the main ministries is to enlighten our minds and our hearts with your word, teaching us your truth. So God, may we allow you to work through your spirit in our, our hearts and our lives. And may your word become alive like it's never become before. And may we go into the remainder of this year and into the new year excited that we have the opportunity, that we have the blessing of, of having the spirit living within us, that we have your word and, and that we can grow. And be conformed into the image of Christ. Be strengthened by your grace. Help us to do that, God. If there's anyone that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, God, may you convict them. And may they see the importance 
not just of this time, but the importance of the person, Jesus, and, and the importance of salvation that comes only through him. And may they receive him. May you convict them to the point that they can't resist any longer and they might receive you by way of Jesus into their hearts. Forgiveness of their sins. The cleansing that is there for them. And may it challenge us to live the way that you would have us to live. Under your guidance, by your power and your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come. Never have Jesus been silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dress way. I'd rather have Jesus than Any announcements? Before you give me any announcements, let me also make a comment. I think I let this slip by. Didn't mean to on purpose, but uh, got involved in the message. And I wanted to thank Susan, Tanya playing, and Susan with the special. And, and uh, just praise the Lord for that. Amen. 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 And thank we, we thank you for leading the wonderful group. And, and you are doing it by yourself also. So we, uh, we appreciate that. Any, uh, any announcements before we need to leave? Yeah, 5.30 Thursday. Did I say Wednesday? Oh, I didn't say. So it's, uh, it's Christmas Eve, y'all, whenever that is. Uh, Thursday. Okay, any, anybody else? Okay, let's go away rejoicing in the Lord. You ready, brother? Okay, thank you. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born.